0: sports radio 550
1: all right we are officially at the halfway mark of sports talk saturday welcome back nick Erie Corey griswold we just had mike Tenier. if you missed any of uh any of our interview, you can head to WGR550.com, on-demand audio. It'll be up there shortly. But joining me now on the Western Hotline, my next guest of the day is the NFL staff writer over at SI Now. And uh, Matt Verteran joins us on the Western Hotline. Matt, good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, I think it's the first time we've chatted since, uh, since the big move for you. Congratulations, man.
0: Thank you, thank you. I, I hope uh, I hope we're not going to talk any hockey, but we could talk the Knicks. We could talk about oh. that. That's actually not a bad thing for the first time in twenty years.
1: We could for sure talk about the Knicks. I know you being a Jersey fan, it's not been a, um, it's not been good. It has not been a good start. But you know, listen, it's the playoffs. Uh, it's there. It's there. Listen, everyone here in Buffalo kept talking about how the Jerseys, the young, this young team, and the Sabres were too, right? And we, you and I, talked a little bit about uh, texted back and forth about hockey, but like. The Devils were this young team that played a start-to-finish regular season where the Sabres were a lot of up and down, a lot of growing pains. And everybody kept pointing to the Devils to say, like, well, they're not dealing with any growing pains. They're this young team. Oh, no. uh, like, what? <laughs> Well, right, you get to the playoffs and you realize it's a very different animal. And, and I think that just kind of goes to show you the nature and the difference of NHL playoffs compared to the regular season, yeah. which is part of why I think a lot of people in Buffalo are a little disappointed. Uh, because even if you went and got worked by Boston in the first round this year, you would kind of get that first real feeling right. of what playoff hockey's like.
0: Yeah, I mean, that all being said, as a Devils fan, I think we're all going to get together and file a class action lawsuit against the team uh, after the way <laughs> they played the first games. i got to tell you, I'm a, Lindy Ruff, I know he's got a lot of fans in Buffalo. He's been very good this year. Not shrouding himself in glory in this series. It has been, uh, it's been rough to say the least. That said, the Knicks won by 20 last night. So it's always one of my teams is uh, showing up. That's right, and
1: um, you know, after Game Two, it was kind of like, uh, but then you realize again they they stole one in Cleveland, and that's kind of like part of job. your job to do yeah. in a, in a playoff series where you start the series on the road for the first two games, steal a game, whatever happens in Game Two, you got Game One, and now they find themselves yeah. ahead in the series. Um, yeah, I'm I, listen. I mean, as, where they end up, it's a Tibbs team, and I feel like you kind of know what Tibbs teams do in April and May, but um, yeah, well, well, I'm, I'm i they can beat this Cleveland team, and and I think a lot of people did not really give them much. Of a shot in hell at all to beat this Cleveland team. Um, they're more physical um, and they are far deeper. And a lot of people talked about how good this Cleveland bench was, and almost no one talks about how good the, the Knicks bench is.
0: I gotta tell you, if I were the Knicks, I would like Mitchell's going to get thirty thirty-five no matter what you do on most nights. Mm-hmm. I'd let him get his thirty thirty-five. If they take Garland out of the game, I don't think the Cavs can win. I agree because they have nothing out. There is nobody else in that team scoring twenty plus on a consistent basis. If I take him out. Good luck. Um, you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting. At least they don't play the night of the NFL draft. I'm thankful for that.
1: Yeah, same here. Because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long weekend for me next weekend, Matt. But um, that's kind of good, good, good segue. See, professional here. I, I get you to to segue right into you. the draft. Thanks, buddy. Um, I want to start with you, um, with Kansas City and kind of where this team stands, um, a week out from the, from the NFL draft. Um, they're a team that, you know, had two first round picks last year, um, which is rare for a team that is in the window that they've sort of been in for the last, you know, half decade and maybe a little bit more now. Um, what are the returns for you on, on McDuffie, um, and Karloftis from last year and uh, like, How hard is it to to kind of judge guys after year one, and maybe how big of a season is it for those guys? Because it's again, it's very rare a team like the Chiefs end up with two first round picks. Like those got to be transcendent type players for your franchise if you want to continue staying at this you know this window that they're in. It listen, and I only say that because the Bills have not hit on a lot of first round picks, and that's why they find themselves kind of in this sticky window, the sticky situation that they're in right now.
0: You know, I got to tell you, actually, for the Chiefs, you know, it was interesting. The first half of the year, you would have said, "Us, oh, it's not looking too good because McDuffie was hurt. He got hurt the first game of the year against Arizona, and he missed two months. And then Karloftis, Karloftis was racking up a lot of pressures, a lot of quarterback hits, but he wasn't getting sacked. I think you know, he had half a sack. And maybe it was his first nine or ten games. But then the rest of the year, he racked up like six and a half sacks. So he played very, very well second half of the year. He even into the playoffs, He had a sack in the playoffs. Um... I thought he really showed why they picked him. You know, he's one of those guys, he's just got a motor. He's just always around the football. He's always hustling. He's always making plays. Um, So I think the Chiefs are very happy with the return on him. And then McDuffie, if you look at when he didn't play and when he did play, their pass defense literally almost gave up like 100 yards less per game. I mean, they were were vastly different. A part of that is because... Both he and LeJarius Need can play slot, and they can play on the perimeter. So they can they can dictate the matchups a lot more. And both those guys are available to him. The only time the Chiefs gave up 300 yards passing last year with McDuffie in the lineup was the Super Bowl. Um, so I think they, they really feel good about their class. I mean, they got two other corners in that class too: Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, who are fourth and seventh round picks who really played well for him. Obviously, they got Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. I mean, they 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 played yeah. eight rookies like legitimately played them. And it it worked out for him.
1: Yeah. So, like, when you look at this year's draft class, and, and, you know, listen, I think every year when you get to this point, you start running out of storylines to talk about. And now the storyline, which is, you know, I guess not, not, it's, to, to say that it's unique right now at this point where teams are talking about the lack of first round grades in a draft, it's not it's just not unique to this draft, it happens every year, especially this time where people start to feel like, especially like analysts start to feel like they know what teams draft boards look like, which in reality none of us really do None of us do no. Where is your say, if if I, if I were to ask you what the need is for the Chiefs right now uh, where they pick at 31 well, th- 32, but 31 um, Like, right. what what is the need for them and is this a position where Teams like the Bills, like the the Bengals and the Chiefs, they may not be the true best player available type situations. Or do you believe that the Chiefs maybe are in a unique position to take the best player available?
0: No, I don't think they're going to take that. I mean, they will have certain positions that they will put in a pool, and those guys, the best player available, yeah, sure, take them. But I think right now the Chiefs have three positions they're looking at, and I'd be surprised if the first round pick is not one of these three positions. So one of them receiver. Um, they brought back pretty much the exact same group, except they didn't bring back Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Hardman. Now, they replaced McCall Hardman with Richie James, which I think, I think they're very similar players. I don't think there's going to be a massive difference. Um, they you know, MVS is still there. Sky Moore is now in a second year. Kadarius Tony's there for the first full year. They brought back Justin Watson. So they need somebody to be in the mix at receiver, and I could definitely see them taking a guy like a Zay Flowers, a Quentin Johnston, a Jalen Hyatt, you know, a, a Jordan Addison, if he somehow fell there. Um, I think the other spot is tackle. Now, they they replaced Orlando Brown with Juwan Taylor. And the plan right now is to put him at left tackle. But Brett Veach talked a couple of days ago to the media and said, look, we'll, we'll play him either left or right. He's fine with either either side. So it gives the Chiefs some flexibility in this draft. And I think if one of those big tackles were fall of the Chiefs, I actually think that would be the pick. I think if, if that happens, then I think you might see them go that route. The third one would be edge rusher across from Carl Otis. They've they released Frank Clark, who's still out on the market. Um, I think, you know, they, they, they still have not re-signed Carlos Dunlap, which is possible, but who knows? So, they need another edge rusher. I think those are their three needs, and I, I would expect them to attack that that trio pretty aggressively, the first three, four picks they have.
1: Matt Verderam here of Sports Illustrated joining me on the West Her Hotline. Um, where else do you fall? Like I, I we, Mike and I were talking about uh, the Houston Texans and, and whether or not they would really punt on taking a quarterback in this draft. Did, like, how do you in in good faith sell a uh, like a fan base that when you have, you know, Davis Mills as your starting quarterback that you have the number 2 pick and the chance to get one of the top 2 quarterbacks in this draft and you decide to punt because you were all in on Bryce Young and then your quarterback threw a Hail Mary pass and you want a you wanted a meaningless football game in the last game of the year to put yourself in a position not to draft number 1 and you didn't pivot, you didn't really do anything to think that anyone would move ahead of you and now you're in this position where you're not going to get the guy you want? But so that be, just because you're not getting Bryce Young, you're not going to take a quarterback at all. Like I, is this draft day smoke or draft week smoke? Or do you really get the sense that like Houston really might punt on taking a quarterback?
0: So actually I actually had to laugh at myself. So a couple of weeks ago, I did my mock draft, and the old one and only serious one that I did. And I, I had Stroud and Young one and two. And then the following day, I was talking to some people in the league that I trust, and they were like, Yeah, look, Young's going to be number one. I'm like, All right, I probably should have done this then like four days ago. But yeah, I, look, Young's going to be number one. But the one thing and this look this stuff that came out yesterday about CJ Stroud as S to cognitive testing and how poorly it went like I will tell you this Nate that was not a secret in the NFL like I had heard that weeks ago and I'm, other people heard that weeks ago and it's one of those things like you're not going to report that because you're just you you're, you're kind of dumping on the kid um but that's been out there I mean that's been that's been known for a while that 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 did not go particularly well so um I think that's part of it with Houston. I think the other part of it is I don't think anybody feels like any quarterback in this class is a slam dunk, including Bryce Young. He is very diminutive. Stroud, you wonder about against the rush in, in you know at, at Ohio State in college, and you know, he did not handle the blitz always very well or, or pressure in his face, which you, know, you could say, hey, look, he can learn. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Will Levis is a guy I think a lot of people look at and go, hey, he could be Josh Allen. Sure, he could be. He could also be. A guy who doesn't develop like Josh Allen. He could be Blaine Gabbert, yeah. Yes. I mean, Allen is such a unicorn the way he developed. Most guys do not do that. Um, Anthony Richardson, huge ceiling, but really low floor. And then Hendon Hooker, 25 in an ACL, but he's talented. So I think Houston might look at this and go, hey, Will Anderson is clearing away the best guy. But to your point, the problem with that is you're going to sell that to a fan base. And by the way, last year, stop showing up. Like and I just have a feeling in the end. while I do think there's a real decision to be made. I think ownership's going to say we need to draft a quarterback. I don't care how you feel about Will Anderson. We need to sell tickets, so I still think it'll be a quarterback. But it's a real discussion right now, Houston. What do you make about the
1: Colts too? At four, um, you know they they're kind of sit in this position as well. Could could they end up in a position where CJ Stroud falls to them at number four, and they get to pick between you know Stroud and and, and Richardson and? No, kind of where where that franchise goes from here, I think, is really interesting. They've got good players, but I don't know what chain striking is. I, like, I, I, is he going to be a good – I don't know what, if he's going to be a good head coach or not, but I think all in all, they're a franchise that feels like this pick has to is, – is sort of a make-or-break pick for Chris Ballard.
0: It is. And Chris Ballard's had a long time to get this thing right. And I get it. Like, he had a fascinating circumstance. No, I'm sure that's not the word he would use when Andrew Luck retired, Um but they've not been able to find the quarterback. I mean, they've just gone year after year after year, switching out guys. The reality is for Indianapolis, I think you have to take a quarterback. I don't think you can take any other position and, and face your fan base and say, yeah, we feel good about this. Now, I think the Cardinals are going to trade out of number three. I am convinced they're going to trade out at number three. I think it's going to be the Vegas or Tennessee. Hmm. I think one of those teams is going to trade up and go after Richardson. Um, that being said, you hear a lot of smoke about Indianapolis and loves Will Levis. Now, that can always be a little bit of smoke because they actually want somebody else and they're trying to tie somebody to take Will Levis. Um, but that's kind of been the prevailing thought is that they, they really do believe in Will Levis and his upside and everything else. I I personally, I think, look, Young is the top quarterback in this class. And then I think Richardson, if you're going to take a quarterback, like take Stroud or Richardson. I just think Levis is big and he's got a big arm. But like when you watch the film, I don't know, it's really inconsistent. Um But I think the Colts. I think, I think there's a real chance you have four quarterbacks straight off the top in this draft, which I don't know that that should happen. But I think it could happen just based on need and who's picking where.
1: It's my duty to ask you at this at this point, even though it's just the most drawn out conversation. Uh, to have ever uh, to have ever been had, but the Aaron Rodgers saga, the Jets and, and, and the Green Bay Packers, you know, Mike, Mike and I were, uh, Tanir and I were just kind of talking about the the, the beautiful uh, word leverage and who really has it. And he's of the mind, he's like, you know, if you've never bought a used car or bought a home, you probably should sit the leverage conversation out. And and I thought his point about, you know, who's willing to lose more um, is really kind of the right question to ask. And, and to me, it feels a lot like if the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers by... By whatever soft deadline, you know, um, Schefter just tweeted out earlier, but like it's got to happen before the before day two, before Friday, the, before the draft actually starts on Friday, um, which I think I would agree with. I, I feel like Gutukun is not getting fired. Mark Murphy's not getting fired. They don't have an owner to yell at them. Um, if they don't get, if the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and like these. I don't know how long they're gonna get. Um, Like this, this this sort of feels like the leverage is firmly in the hands of Green Bay because, yeah, they'll lose money, but money in the NFL grows on trees, whereas jobs don't. And and that sort of feels like the ultimate leverage piece in this. No.
0: You know, I think it's really interesting. Like I've been asked this a thousand times. Like who's got leverage and who's gonna who's gonna cave first? Who's gonna end up giving up more than they want to give up or give up? You know what what they feel like they shouldn't. I look at it like this. It's like two cars going 80 miles an hour directly at each other for a head-on collision. Like It's, it's mutually beneficial to turn the damn wheel. Yeah. Like it just is. The Packers do not want to pay Aaron Rodgers $58 million. They're not going to pay him that. That is not going to happen. And that is the amount of cash that is due to him before September. There is no world that he's getting $58 million from the Green Bay Packers. Now, the other side of it is the Jets cannot go into the season and say, hey, guys, we have Zach Wilson. That is just, I mean, that is Armageddon for that franchise. They cannot do it. Here's what I think, though, is really interesting about this. If they get past this draft, which is possible, and they're still staring at each other, the 49ers become really interesting Mm. because they're trying to move Trey Lance. Brock Purdy is out for a minimum of probably the first six to eight weeks of the year. Sam Darnold's not going to stand in the way of them acquiring Aaron Rodgers. And for people who say, well, they can't afford it, that's not true. They have... If you acquire Rodgers on a trade, it's only $16 million in a cap hit. Right. And they can afford the cash payment. That is not a problem. Jed York has more money than God. So if they wanted to do it, they could do it. And I'm sure Rodgers would be thrilled to death to go there. They'd be the immediate Super Bowl favorites. If you're the Niners, why, why wouldn't you do it? If, now, they can't do it right now because they don't have any of their picks. They traded three picks for McCaffrey. They traded a first for Lance. But if it gets past this draft, mm. next year the Niners have all their picks and then some. And so all of a sudden the Jets have a problem. That's why I wonder if the Jets are going to cave before the draft, because they know that if they get past this draft, this could become really expensive, and they could potentially lose Rodgers.
1: Hmm. I, you know, it's funny. I I hadn't really thought of the Niners in that. I know that's sort of been like the the ghost team in the background, but like the ghost team that people want to say that's that's why Green Bay has leverage, not because it's a legitimate opportunity. But the way you li- sort of listed that out, I think is exactly right, and I think. If you're the Jets and you do end up losing Rodgers and he goes to San Francisco, let's say in the scenario, like what happens then? Like what? The problem is, is they've painted themselves into a corner where Rodgers is plan A, B, and C. And I think anytime you do that, you've sort of already lost, right? Like you, like you have sort of Man. lost if your plans A, B, and C are a forty-one year old or whatever old Aaron Rodgers is, 40, who yeah. right, who like eight weeks ago went on the Pat McAfee show and said he was basically 90% retired, which is probably the main reason the Jets feel they don't want to give up a first-round pick or a second or multiple seconds because this guy was on you know, Pat McAfee talking about he was in a darkness retreat and was 90% ready to retire. Now he's all of a sudden like, yeah, you know what, I'll play for you guys, sure.
0: Yeah, I I just look at this Rodgers thing too. And and I don't know if I'm in the minority. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I look at this and just say, let's say the Jets go out and they get Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Are they the best team in the AFC East? No. Nope. I don't think they are. No. Are they Are they a legitimate team that you would look at and say, I think they will be in the divisional weekend? No. Probably no, not. Not for yeah. me, they're not. I think Kansas City's better. Cincinnati's better. Buffalo's better. I think Jacksonville might be better. You could make an argument Miami's better. I mean, Miami, for all the... Now, now the two thing is the whole the yep. whole shebang in Miami. But Vic Fangio's a great coordinator. They will be better defensively. So, you know, you look at these teams. I'll tell does answer the other part of this. Like... If the Jets miss out on him, I gotta tell you, and I don't know if they do it, I'd call up Lamar Jackson and say, fine, what do you want? Yeah. Because I just I and, and I don't even know that that's the answer that you need, but like you you just you cannot come out of all this and turn it over to Zach Wilson. You just
1: can't. It I don't almost know
0: what else you have to do.
1: Matt, it almost feels like and, and frankly, like and I asked Mike that too, is it, it sort of feels like we're getting closer and closer to a a resolution, especially with the Jalen Hurts contract. That's a good yeah. fail safe to say, okay, you know, let's just get this done. Let's let's do it in the in the vein and in, in the template of the Jalen Hurts contract, and then everyone feels like they won at least a little bit, right? Uh, where I feel like what ends up happening is the musical chair stops at someone like Ryan Tannehill, which would just be such a monumental failure on the half of the Jets that it would be hard to overcome that. They they would have to get to the second round of the playoffs and lose in a heartbreaking way for I think everybody
0: to keep their jobs. I'm from that area of the country. They will unmercifully boo that team over yeah. and over. I mean, that is, this isn't Arizona where it's like, oh, it didn't work out. Okay, that's fine. Let's all go out and you know, and, and, and ride motorbikes through the desert. Nobody really cares. Like, they're going to care in, in, in East Rutherford. They're going to care, especially if the Giants are going out and putting together another playoff yeah. Like, it's going to matter. And I think when you start to look at this, if you're the Jets – I think they th- I, your wording was, I think, right now, like you paint themselves into a corner here with all this stuff. Like, and yet, to me, the other part of this is, too, even if they go and they get Rogers. what did you fix all this for, one year? I mean, it's not like you're mm-hmm. 29 years old and you're going to have for a decade. I mean, you, you didn't have one year where you might be decent, and then you're right back here. You're right back here with what? With Zach Wilson? Yep, I and mean, I just don't know. And
1: Rogers is supposed to fix Zach
0: Wilson while he's there. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> like you're going to tell me, Aaron? Well, first of all, have, have fun in that quarterback room with those two guys. Yeah, right. That'll be a blast. But I just I look at that and I just say, there's no, there's no upside long term. I mean, if you're the Jets, I think basically they're sitting there going, you know what? Let's get Rodgers for one year. Let's win some games, make the playoffs, be a team that is viable in January. But to me, that's more of just like to kind of satiate the fan base. That's loser mentality. It is. But the Jets haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1968. (laughs) And I think they're basically like, look, man, whatever. At this point, we need to make the playoffs. And we have the... I mean, right now, in the four major sports, they have the longest playoff drought. The longest. Now that the Kings are in the playoffs in the NBA. So, at some point, you got to win some games. But I just... I look at the Jets and say, what are you solving? You're solving this for a year. And maybe not even really solving it for a year because if he goes there and he's not committed or he's not that good, then what? You're the third-place team in the division and you might not even make the playoffs.
1: What a, what an interesting saga that's going to be over the next couple of, I mean, you know, like day, weeks here. I think we're, we yeah. hopefully should hear a resolution one way or another. Matt, before I let you go, head to the ground, ear to the ground, Kyler Murray, where, Arizona's might be, might have the number one pick next year. Where is that franchise with him?
0: i got to tell you, my thought on this is see, he's going to miss at least half the year at this ACL. Yep. They are atrocious. They are, In my opinion, they're the worst team in the NFL. They have a young head coach, a first-time head coach. They've got first-time coordinator. I mean, they're doing what Denver did last year, all these first-time guys in all these positions. And you look at Murray, and you look at him and say, what? He's going to come back and maybe play the back half of the season. Have you looked at their schedule? Yeah, they're going to be like 1-9, in 1-8 when he comes back. My guess, Nate. He, I don't think he's going to play a game. I don't. Think, I don't even think there's a point. If you're the Cardinals, I would tell him, you know, what, Kyle, you get, you get well, you get right, you sit out. We'll go two and fifteen. And if they get the number one pick in the draft next year, you got Caleb Williams, who is generational, coming out of USC, yep. and Drake May, who a lot of people think is not too far behind him at, at a UNC. I think the Cardinals are going to take a quarterback next year if they're in that position. And I think they will move off of Murray. They'll just they'll eat some of the cap for a year or two. And they can do it because they're going to have a quarterback yep. on a rookie deal. But I, I think there's a real chance Kyler Murray does not play another game for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I really think that's, that's in play.
1: I, I think so, too. I, I was interested in your take on that. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks for the extended time. All the insight, as always. Congrats again on the big move for you. Uh, looking forward to you doing great things over there, SI, and uh, and with the draft coming up and everything like that, man. So I appreciate all, all the time.
0: No problem. Anytime, man.